Hallelujah. So I actually don't have any candy. Do we have any uh, candy at all? Do we have any? Nope. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Check it out. So we're going through the Gospels throughout this series. I think this is an amazing series. It's a series that gets you equipped um, to be knowledgeable about the Gospels, about the New Testament, right? Joby did an amazing job um, going over the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, right? Who wrote that Gospel? Who knows who wrote that Gospel? Who wrote the Gospel of Matthew? <laughs> Amen. I was waiting on <laughs> It was not a trick question. It's not. I promise. So who wrote the Gospel of Matthew? Amen. As you can clearly see from this slide, we're going over the Gospel of Mark. Amen. All right. So who's awake today? Everybody raise your hand. Okay. Praise God. Okay. Oh, so all the guys. Wow, that's kind of strange. All the guys are over here, basically, and all the girls are over here. But all the guys raised their hand, though. All the, all the guys raised their hand. All the guys are, oh, let's go. Let's go. Okay. Okay, so, so um, bro, if you can get me just some music real quick. In a little bit, we're going to go through what's called What Do You Believe? It's a segment that we use to get you, get your gears turning, get your mind going on what you believe about the Bible. So the question today is going to be, do you believe that the gospel has power to change lives? I know it's kind of deep. Bear with me. But once you start talking about it, trust me, some things are going to come up. So the question is, and so what you do, so for those who don't know, basically what do you believe is a section that we have before the word is given, and what we do is we ask a question called what do you believe? You turn to your neighbor or neighbors, and then you discuss what do you believe, right? The question that I ask you, you're going to answer that question. You're going to have two minutes to answer this question. So the question again is, do you believe the Gospels have the power to change lives? You guys get it? Yes? 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 Okay, let's try that again. Do y'all get it? Yes. Okay, praise God. Amen. So let's hit it. All right. Do you believe the Gospel has the power to change lives? We have two minutes. It's 741. 743, we're going to come back.
Right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, so thank you guys. I heard some really good conversations going on. Some conversations weren't exactly about that question, but <laughs> it's all good. I ain't mad at y'all. But here's the thing. Does the God, do the Gospels have the power to change lives? And amen. Yes. Yes, they do. Yes, it does. Depending on the figure of speech you're using, the Gospels have the power to change lives. How? How do they have the power to change lives? Anybody care to answer that? How does the Gospels have... Hannah, yes. Jesus. Amen. That's right. What does the gospel mean? Does anybody know what the gospel means? Like, what is... AJ, say it louder. Amen. That's right. The gospel means good news. Praise the Lord. So, without further ado, we're going to get started. I'm going to go over the gospel of Mark. So, um, and uh, so I'm going to do that. I really... I really want to, it's so much to unpack here, guys. I honestly, I don't know how Joe B. did it. <laughs> By the grace of God, he did this with the book of Matthew. And actually, it is really challenging as I was going through this, through this gospel to have to do this. So here's how I'm going to do it. Let's, can we go to the slides? Um, we're going to do two things. We're going to open up some slides. We're going to have a PowerPoint presentation. So we're going to go through the gospel of Mark. I don't, I don't know how this is going to look great. This actually looks, I think it looks great. Thank you. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for the encouragement. That means a lot. <laughs> so we're going to go through the gospel of Mark, the overview. That's going to be today. We're going to go through this today, too. Jesus Christ, Son of God. The, ne <laughs> the next week. So we're going, to go, we're going to break this up into three sections. All right, guys. I just want to give you a heads up. The second week, we're going to go over Jesus' death and resurrection. And then the last week, we're going to go over the Great Commission. All right, cool. So let's go to the note slide. That's like the second to last slide, I believe. Let's go to the note slide. So um, some things about this I wanted to make note. So Mark is the second book of the New Testament. It is called the Gospel of Mark. Why is it called the Gospel? Good news about who? Okay, so let's say that one more time. Do y'all know the answer to that? Okay, amen. So let's say the answer like we know it. All right? So the gospel is, is called the gospel because it's about who? Jesus Christ. Okay, amen. Let's try that again. Who is the gospel about? Jesus Come on. Amen. That's right. The gospel is called the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay, it's the second book of the New Testament. Mark, the gospel of Mark is actually called, his, his name is actually John Mark. Okay? It is a great name. And John Mark is met in the book of Acts, I believe it's Acts 12. He accompanied Paul and Barnabas on some missions trips. Let's go to Acts 12. I'll go here with, actually with you. Maybe I could get to it a little bit quicker. There's a lot of things to unpack here, so I'm going to be moving quick. You guys want to work the word with me today? Yes? Amen. You guys want to go over the Bible? Yes? Praise God. Amen. Okay. So, um, yes. Yeah, so, Acts 12. Uh, I believe this is when, I believe this is when Peter was in prison, and okay, cool. So let's. You want to give me the trackpad? Actually, I can. I can actually do this too. So let's scroll down a little bit. Um, let's go to like just scroll down a little bit to like verse ten. So verse eight. Uh, there we go. So here we go. The angel said to him, Peter was in prison. Right. The angel came to visit Peter in prison. This is not in the book of Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, but 
trust me, this is very good, good information. So, uh, praise God. So, he said, put, put on your clothes and sandals. So, Peter was obviously in prison, and this is what he's talking about. He said, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, and the angel told him. So, Peter followed him out of the prison. So, Peter was in prison. The angel came, broke the man out of prison, right? Imagine if your parents told you to go to your room, and then an angel came and relinquished you from your room. That's kind of that's kind of interesting. So this man was in prison, but he had no idea that the uh, that what the angel was doing was really happening, right? Because he thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It had opened by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, "Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent His angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches." From everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark. Just wanted to show you guys this so you know I'm telling the truth. Mark is also called John Mark. That was his name, okay? So Mark was with Paul and Barnabas on missions trips. Let's go back to the slide. Um, So he was with these guys on missions trips. I just want to give you a few notes about who Mark is, what the gospel of Mark is, and then um, let's go to the slide, the no slide, and then who, uh, who he was, okay? So without further ado, uh, while he gets that worked out, we're going to go and move forward to the gospel of Mark, okay? When he gets the note slides up, we'll go there, but I want to tell you what Mark wanted to do. Has anybody ever written a, uh, a paper or written a message written anything at all? Yes? Okay. Anybody a student? Anybody in school? So you've written a message. You've written something, right? There was a purpose to what you did in that writing. And the purpose that Paul wrote this was to say this. Jesus is the Messiah, and he's the Son of God. So Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. Okay. We're going to go back to that. So traditionally, Mark spoke to Peter, or he spoke with Peter, and they pulled together some, some of their experiences with Jesus. Mark presents Jesus as the Son of God. He meant that so much that that was the very first sentence, the very first verse in his, in his gospel. So let's go to Mark 1.1, not you, but you guys. Go to Mark 1.1, and you'll see it right there. I have it with me as well. Also, he presents Jesus as the suffering servant. We'll get to that probably in the second week. Uh, or the third week. He was the suffering servant. There was also a prophecy in the Old Testament that a servant of God would have to suffer on behalf of God's people. Jesus is that person. So Mark's gospel, if I can get some water, please. Mark's gospel is the shortest gospel. So Mark, the gospel of Mark is the shortest one. It only has 16 chapters, all right? It's the shortest one out of all of them. But the gospel of Mark is the oldest gospel that there is. That's what the scholars believe, that Mark it has the oldest gospel. So what it, why is that important? It's important because Matthew, who Joe B. talked about, thank you, my good sir, and Luke recalled some of their experiences from Mark's gospel, okay? It's not like cheating on a test, okay? They're just saying, hey, I was there with you, 
And I remember that too. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that as well. I, I was also there. So I'm going to do that, right? So let's go to that first slide, the one after the, the overview. Okay, so let's go over to Gospel of Mark. Let's go to the next slide because we got a lot to cover. So first week we're going to go over, which is today, Jesus Christ, Son of God, kingdom of God is near, disciples and teachings, Jewish leaders reject Jesus, disciples take up their cross. Second week, we're going to talk about the new king. All right, we're going to talk about a new kingdom. We're going to talk about the new kingdom uh, being uh, is, it was Israel and then Israel actually being now for the Jews and the Gentiles, right? Because salvation and, and is not just for the Jews. It's not just for Jewish people, right? Who's Jewish in here? No one. Okay, one person. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay, so salvation is for Oli. That would really suck if salvation was just for Olivia, right? That means all of us, including myself, we would be condemned, right? We would be condemned. We would not be allowed. We would have to, to sacrifice these other things. So Jesus came, died on the cross so we could have salvation. And so salvation is for the Jews and the Gentiles. Gentile is everybody else, right, other than the Jews. And so if you don't know that, now you know. So when you hear that word Gentile, I'm a Gentile, you're a Gentile, we're all Gentiles, um, except if you have a Jewish uh, descent. So Jesus predicts his death and resurrection, greatest in the kingdom as a servant of all. Okay, so these are two separate bullet points. I'm kind of blocking it. So the second bullet point, Jesus predicts his death and resurrection. We're going to talk about that in the second week. Greatest in the kingdom is a servant of all. We're going to talk about that as well. The last week, the third week, we're going to talk about Jesus being a suffering servant, his resurrection, and then what happened after that, and then how he gave us the Great Commission. All right. Who knows what the Great Commission is? Who knows? Any youth know? Any youth know what Great Commission is? No. Who knows what it is? Who said? Who said they know? Great Commission. You want to shout it out? Huh? You don't know? What is it? What? Come on, bro. Come on, come on, come on, come on, bro. Let's go. Let's go. What is it? Go into the world and make disciples. Bro, that's it. That's it. Let's give it up for Josiah. Come on, guys. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Give it up for Josiah. All right. So that's the Great Commission, to go into the world and preach the gospel, guys. All right, let's go to the next slide. So those are the, that's the overview that we're going to go over. This week is going to be, we've got a lot to unpack. We've got a lot to, a lot to unpack. So it's tough for me because... This was going to range about 10 weeks, <laughs> but I had to condense it. My wife always tells me I'm a, I have, um, she says that I talk a lot, so I, I try to condense it. All right, so check it out. First things first, Mark, everybody turn to their Bibles, in their Bibles to Mark chapter 1, verse 1. Check it out. The beginning of the good news, let's go there, beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make paths, make straight paths for him. Okay, so let's go back to the slide. I know it's probably going to, we're probably going to be jumping around a little bit, but I want to tell you guys that this is what Mark is telling you. In the very beginning, he's telling you what this is going to be about. In the very beginning, Mark is telling you, he's giving you a foundation 
and the purpose in his first sentence. In the first sentence, he's saying, this is what you need to expect. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, right? He's the Son of God. This is going to be about Jesus, the Messiah, and that's what the purpose is. Uh, and Malachi, you don't got to turn there. Malachi 3.1, and I'll, I'll actually turn there and I'll read it. If you guys turn there in your Bibles as well, but I'll just read it right here. Malachi 3.1, it says this, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord uh, you are seeking will come to his temple, and the measure of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. So, this is believed to be who? I'll give you the answer. I will send my messenger. Who did, uh, who did uh, Mark say that this was about? The beginning of the good news was about who? Jesus. The Messiah. The Son of God. Amen. Jesus, right. Jesus Cristo, right? As it is written in Isaiah the prophet. So here's what I'm telling you. The Bible tells us that there was a prophecy in the Old Testament you guys know what the Old Testament is? Who knows what the Old Testament is? All right, praise God. Nobody. Okay, two people. Okay, you raise your hand. Okay, amen. Praise God. I mean, so if I ask you a question, you got to answer me because I'm going to expect to answer, right? Like, I'm, I'm not going to ask a question and then I'm then you don't answer because then I'm, you know, then I'm going to assume that you don't know. All right, so you know what the Old Testament is? What's the Old Testament? Anybody? What's the Old Testament? AJ. You raised your hand too fast. <laughs> Praise God. I still love you, bro. So there's two, section of the, two sections of the Bible, right? What are those two sections of the Bible? The Old Testament and the? Amen. Which came before, the old or the new? The old came before, right? So the Old Testament is about God and, and his people, Israel, all right? So just to give you some information, just a little bit, that's just a quick definition for you. What's the Old Testament? What is it about? It's about God and his people, Israel. Okay? That's just a short answer. So Mark 1.15, it says this. Uh, it says, uh, I'll go to 14. After John was put in prison because some time had passed, uh, John had came, got baptized. Or he was baptizing people, right? And I'll just read this from uh, verse 9. Are you there? Let's see. All right, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. See, here's the thing. Mark, he goes straight to the, he cuts to the chase. He not playing no games with y'all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mark, yo, Mark cuts straight to the chase. He's not taking his time. He's not beating around the bush. He's not telling you what's cracking, what happened with his cousin, baby mama, or whatever, right? Yo, he is getting straight. He's like, yo, Jesus is the son of God. John came and was baptizing people. So here's what happened. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth. Who came from Nazareth? Jesus. He came from Nazareth and where? Galilee. And was baptized by who? Right. Amen. He was baptized by John. In the Jordan, that was a river. Jesus, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. What does it say? All together on the count of three. One, two, three. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So we have a representation of the Trinity right here. Whether you guys know it or not, check it out. The representation is the Father, and you're actually going to hear this, you're going to see this in a little bit, says, to the, says in a loud voice, 
You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. He says this, at once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for how many days? Forty days. Okay, being tempted by Satan. Who has been tempted by Satan here? Among us. Among us, who has been tempted by Satan? But amen, that's good. That's good, y'all. Jesus was being tempted. That's right. So among us, who was being tempted? Who has been tempted? Among us. Raise, by a show of hands. Who's been tempted by Satan? Amen. Okay. Yo, every one of us should be raising our hands right now. If you have not been tempted by Satan, you probably don't know that you've been tempted. <laughs> okay? If you don't know that you've been tempted by Satan, you probably have fell into that temptation. All right? And that means you need to repent. And we're going to talk about that here in a hot second. So, let's, I'm going to go back up because, um, actually, we're going to continue. So, Jesus was actually with wild animals and angels attended to him. So, imagine Jesus being the son of God. The Israelites, the people from the Old Testament, they thought Jesus was going to come probably like on a horse, you know, just galloping away, right? He was on a horse coming down with a lightning bolt, you know, kind of. But that's not how God wanted to bring his son to earth. Jesus, the incarnation of God. Did I say that right? Incarnation. Incarnate. God incarnate. And God incarnate came to earth because you were being tempted. Because the sin that people had had befallen these people because of that sin God said you know what you can't do this you cannot do this you're not strong enough so here's what I'm going to do I love you and so I'm going to send you my son and his son came and he was tempted by the very Satan that you're tempted by the very Satan that you're tempted by Jesus was tempted and so here's what happened what I tell you, Jesus, Mark, he cuts to the chase. He's like, hey, here's what's going on. John came. Jesus got baptized by him. And after that, John was put in prison. Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And what did he say? The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. What is the gospel? What does that mean again? Good news. Praise God. Listen, the, Jesus, the, this is, again, it's straight to the point. The kingdom, and here's how I would imagine Jesus saying this, right? Because he's not, he doesn't have a microphone, right? So I would imagine Jesus being like this his, because John, the very dude that, was, that baptized him, okay, the very guy. So imagine you had your cousin or your brother or your Theo, right? And you guys are this close, you know what I'm saying? You got your primo, and y'all are cool. Y'all hang out every day. Y'all kicking it. Y'all kicking the bobos, right? And then somebody come, snatch him up, and then throw him in jail. You're going to be like, yo, wait a second. You might probably try to go visit him, probably give him some commissary, some money or something. I don't know. Whatever he was doing, it was, it was illegal, obviously, right? So Jesus, he didn't go that route. Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come. Repent and believe. That's the first message that Jesus said. It's the first message. Let's go to the slides. So the first message was this. 
The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe. Okay? That's what Jesus was telling us. That's what Jesus told them, to repent and believe. So here's what we're going to talk about. Here's what I want to do. I want to give you um, a good synopsis of what was happening at that point where Jesus was saying that, to repent and believe. Why? Because the kingdom of God is near. So let's go to the next slide. Let's talk about Jesus' disciples. So what happens is Jesus, he goes, preaches, tells people to repent. He's like, repent of your sins. You are in sin. You need to believe because the kingdom of God is nearer than you think. The kingdom of God, see, he was talking to a bunch of Jewish leaders. He was saying the kingdom of God is near because they were thinking that, again, Jesus was going to come down on some donkey, you know, just riding. All right, you know, the, uh, I don't even want to sing that song, but, uh, but it's like that old town road, right? That song. That's what they thought Jesus was going to be doing, but that ain't what he did. Jesus came as a lowly servant, and so here's what he did. He came, preached, and then he started uh, doing some miracles, right? Jesus healed a bunch of people. Okay, so then Jesus called his disciples. Okay, he called his disciples, and here's what happened. Jesus appoints the 12 disciples because Jesus went, healed a bunch of people, did some miracles, okay, and, and, and then he called some disciples. So here's what he did. Let's go to Mark, um, let's go to Mark chapter 2, chapter 3. Uh, let's start in 13. So, all right, y'all, we're going to work the word today because it's, it's, to, it's a lot to unpack, and we're going to go over this because I know it's going to benefit you, and I know it's going gonna, it's gonna to really uh, hopefully strengthen and bolden your faith. Listen, Jesus appoints the 12. Jesus went up to the a mountainside, and he called those, uh, I got it, those he wanted, and they came to him, and he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that they might send him out to preach, okay, and to have authority to drive out demons. Listen, my friends, listen to this that they might be with him and that he might send them out to do what? To preach. Jesus called people, his disciples, that they might preach and to have authority to drive out demons. There. So these are the 12, and he called, you know, we, they name out the 12. I'm not going to do that, but he names out the 12. My friends, listen, Jesus named out these 12. Let's go back to, let's go back to the slides. I know we got to keep going back, but we got to keep going back and forth. Listen, he calls these 12, and then he says, listen, you are going to now go and preach. The same thing I just did, you are going to go and do. The same thing that I just did, you were going to go and do. And so what did he do? He called 12 disciples. Why do you think that the number 12 is important? I know that's a toughie. That's a toughie. Why do you think, I know it's a funny word. Why do you think the number 12 is important? Hannah, 12. Oh, that's a good one. That is a good guess. Yes, that's also important. That's a, that, I'm not, I'm, I'll probably get to that in the second week. But yes, that is important. Twelve commandments, Josiah. Bro! Say it again. Twelve tribes of Israel. Yes, please give it up for Josiah again. Let's go. Praise the Lord. Yo, the number 12 is important because there were 12 tribes of Israel. 
So guess what? There were 12 disciples. Listen, that's why the number 12 was important here because Jesus wanted to, he wanted to impress upon and not impress the Jewish leaders, but he wanted to press on their heart and say, listen, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're going to think about me. But listen, I know why I'm calling 12 disciples. I'm calling 12 because they think of 12 tribes of Israel. Okay? 12 tribes of Israel. So the Jewish leaders understood the significance of these things. You don't got to turn it, but I'll turn here to, um, to uh, in a different scripture in Mark. But you don't got to turn there, Oscar. I'll go. The significance of healing. So John, uh, Mark, rather, uh, 1.32, it says this. That evening after sunset, people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. Imagine everybody in the city that you live in coming to your door bananas right unreal it'd be it'd be like chaos it'd be like pandemonium right but it says this that everybody from that town the whole town gathered at the door and jesus healed many who had various diseases so people came to jesus and got healed hold that thought he also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Listen, forgiving sins. The Jewish leaders understood the significance of that too. I'm going to turn there. It says this in Mark 2.5. It says, when Jesus, had saw, when Jesus saw their faith, okay, these people from Capernaum, they saw their faith. He said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Let me tell you this. Oh, thank you. Okay. All right. So he said this, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, he said to the paralyzed man, what did he say? Son, your sins are forgiven. Yo, now the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves. So this is really, this is really key. I want you guys to kind of keep this in the forefrontal lobe of, of your brain here for a little bit. How, did, how does Mark know that they were thinking this to themselves. I want y'all to let the gears turn. Because it says, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves. How does Mark know that? That's a good question, right? What were they thinking to themselves? Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Come on, bro. Amen. That's a good. See, you get that. I asked a question and he answered. He said nobody. Right. Praise God. Listen, who is God, though? Jesus. Right. That's what he's thinking. Who can forgive sins but God alone? But to answer your question, let me let me let me kind of get let me kind of answer that question, though. I asked you earlier about how does Mark know that? Right. So. If I'm talking and you're sitting there like, oh, my man. Gotta come, man, come on. So I'm going to so know, okay, they thinking something, right? Like they know what's going on. Like they already know what's up, right? They, if I'm like, man, you in sin, you need to repent. And you like, man, I got to repent. So I'm going to be, okay, you probably thinking like, man, you got some sin in your life, right? So why are you sitting, so thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Why is Jesus saying, your sins are forgiven, how? How can Jesus sit here and say your sins are forgiven? 
This is what they're thinking to themselves. Because only God can forgive sins. Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that they were talking and thinking that in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man? Your sins are forgiven or say to you, get up, take up your mat and walk. Which will be easier? Your sins are forgiven, obviously, right? So it would be easier to say, hey, your sins are forgiven. Go on, go on your way, right? It would be easier to say that. So Jesus, being God incarnate, again, that's one of those theological words I really want you to remember. God incarnate is Jesus, right? And, and, the, and the way you can remember that is carne, right, flesh. Carne, 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 you got to roll the R a little bit, right? Carne, meat, that's flesh, right? Incarnation, Jesus, God incarnate, God in the flesh, right? He said, what is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and take your mat and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Listen to this. That was a rhetorical question. It didn't need an answer because Jesus already knew what they were thinking because he says it right here. He knew in the spirit that that's what they were thinking. So he says, what is it? What's easier? You don't even have to say what it is you're going through, but Jesus can say what's easier to just forgive your sins or you can be healed. So here's what he says. He says, I want you to know the Son of Man has authority on earth, all over the earth to forgive sins. And he said this, look, they didn't even have to say a word to him. This is what he said. I'm going to take it to the next level. Get up, take your mat, and go home. So he didn't just forgive his sins. He got up. He told him to get up, and then he got healed. That is savage, bro. That's scandalous, actually, too. That's mad scandalous. The man said to get up and walk. The man was paralyzed. He was paralyzed. Are you spiritually paralyzed right now? Well, <laughs> are you spiritually paralyzed right now? Are you stuck at the level you're at in your faith? Are you going through a state of spiritual paralysis? Where there is, you feel like you just can't get ahead, you just can't grow spiritually, you just don't know what you can do next. Get up and take your mat and follow Jesus. Let's go back to the slide. So, it's a scandalous, I'm telling you, and I know it's a lot to unpack. And I'm looking at my wife, I still got time. Amen. So, let's do this. So, check it out. Here's, here's what happened here. So Jesus is now healing people. He's preaching. He called his disciples. He's like, yo, I need y'all fellas to come with me. Follow me, right? And, and I don't want to even go because we could spend a whole another week on how Jesus called his disciples. But check it out. All, these, all this happened, and, and here's what happened. Then here comes a time, okay, when they said, that's Mark 3.33. You don't got to turn there. You don't got to turn there. Mark 3.33. So here's, so here's what Jesus said. Jesus gets accused by his family and, and by teachers of the law. Here's what happens. Jesus entered a house, and again, a crowd gathered, okay? Because imagine this. Just imagine, if you will, in your mind, imagine this. This dude comes, let's say, you got some disease or you sick some kind of way or there's something going on in your mind 
whatever it is, somebody comes and heals you. Somebody comes to you and says, you're healed. Emmanuel, you're healed. You're healed. You're, and then you actually, and then you, you are healed. So a lot of people will kind of follow you, right? I mean, imagine if that happened. But here's, 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 the, here, here's this caveat here. Check it out. A lot of people came to Jesus because he was healing a lot of people. And he said, Jesus called, over, called them over. And he began to speak to them in a parable. And he said, how can Satan drive out Satan if a kingdom is divided against itself? That kingdom cannot stand. You know what? Um, let's turn there then, actually. So 333, we're just going to work the word. You know, that's what we're here for. Amen? Amen? Are we here to work the word or are we here to like, we can't work ourselves, right? I mean, that's like craziness. <laughs> it's like Catholicism or something crazy, right? Salvation by works. That's like a Pharisee, actually, which we're going to go over. So listen, he said this. So you got all these people around him, right? And he's like this. Hey, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. So you're healing people. Jesus is like going savage, right? Healing all these people. And, and, and so imagine there's a big crowd because that's, that's what happens if you're healing a lot of people. Okay, and he says, and so they say, Jesus, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you, right? And Jesus whacks them with this. He says, who are my mother and my brothers? Then he looked at those in the circle around him and said, here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does the God's will is my brother and sister and mother. My friends, listen. All the leaders here love and care about you. All the lead, listen up, all the youth, focus. Give me your eyes. Give me your eyes. Give me your eyes. Give me your eyes. Every leader here, raise your hand. If you're a leader at Elevate, raise your hand. If you are a leader at Elevate, I want all the youth to look around. Raise them a little bit higher, please. Raise them higher as if people are trying to find you, okay? Listen, all the youth, look around. Look around and see whose hands are raised. Look around, y'all. Mine is Sammy. Okay, everybody, don't look at Sammy. All right. Listen, everybody who has their hand raised, they love you and they care about you, and they want you to know that you are their brother and their sister, and they care about you. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to care about you. Even if you feel like nobody cares about you, you are our brother and our sister, right? That's what Jesus is saying here. If you are doing the will of God, you are my brother. You are my sister. You are not doing the will of Satan. And if you are, we're going to have a moment of prayer after this. Listen, Jesus began to teach them by the lake, the crowd that gathered. All right. <laughs> I'm trying to work the word, y'all, okay? I don't got that much time. All right. So, listen, praise the Lord Jesus. 
Look, he gave them this parable. He called this parable of the sower. Anybody knows this parable, parable of the sower? I'm going to teach it to you in a hot New York minute. All right. That means it's quicker than 60 seconds. All right. Hopefully by God's grace. Okay, so Jesus came to them by the lake. The crowd gathered around him, and he said, hey, man, this crowd was so large that, got into a, that Jesus, he got into a boat because he can't be around a whole bunch of people like that. He got into a boat because you got a lot of people. Again, Jesus didn't have a mic. All right, so check it out. He sat in it and on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. And te- in this teaching, he said this, listen, a farmer went out and sowed the seed, right? As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places. Who knows that seeds can't be planted on rocky places, okay? So where it did not have much soil and it sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow, the sun came up and the plants were scorched and they weathered because they had no root. The other seeds fell among thorns, which grew and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seeds fell on good soil and it came up and grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. I want you to think about this paradox for a seed, okay? A seed is a very small thing. You guys know what a seed looks like? Think about a watermelon seed or, you know, something like that, orange seed. It's very small, right? But out of that small seed comes this really big tree or a really big bush, right? Listen. And sometimes it, multi- and it multiplies 100 times, 60, 30 times, right? Then Jesus said this, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. See, Jesus isn't, Jesus, he's, he's, not, he's not thinking, he's not, he's not going to uh, the places mentally that the, these Jewish leaders would want him to go. Jesus is going above and beyond that, okay? So when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables, he said, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. So his disciples, look, the 12 came around. Who knows who the 12 were? Who were the 12? The 12 were the disciples. Listen, he said, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may ever be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Listen, here's the thing. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? How do, so listen to this. If your parents say, clean up your room, and you go to your room, man, I'm trying to clean up my room. I'm tired of this, man. I'm tired of this, man. Man, dang. And you go throw some stuff together. And you come out. It's clean. Who done that before? Who's done that? I did that when I came. Amen. Man, you see the guys be beating y'all all the time. Y'all ever cleaned your room up? You know what? But girls are probably a lot more tidier, though. But anyways, so listen. Listen. <laughs> Check it out. And they go to your room. And your parents go to your room. Your room ain't clean. My daughter's right there. Look, this is the same, right, it's the same thing. It's like, I'll be telling That's why she's picking her head around the corner. It's the same thing. Jesus is saying, how don't you understand this parable? How can you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seeds along the path where the word is sown. What is the word? Who knows what the word is? Man, come on. What would you say? Come on. Okay. 
Let's go. We're going to go with that. We're going to go with that. We're going to go with that. No, I'm kidding. Listen, it is. Come on. Amen. Some people are like seeds along the path where the word is sown. Are you sowing the gospel? That's what you got to ask yourself. Are you sowing the gospel? And it says this, as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seeds sown on rocky places. Excuse me. All right. Check it out. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away. The word was sown in them. Others like the seed sown on rocky places. They hear the word at once. They receive it with joy. Hallelujah. Right? But then since they have no root, what happens? The last only in a short time when a trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away because you don't have a root. Come on. Let's keep going. Listen. Still others... Like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of, for things to come in and choke the word out, making it unfruitful. Check it out. These ain't my words. These are Jesus' words. Others, like seed sown on good soil. My friends, listen. Don't be the seed on rocky places. Here's how Jesus is explaining this to the disciples. Don't be this. Be this. Be good. Be like a seed sown on good soil. He wants you to hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Produce a crop. Multiply yourself. Multiply the word. You be fruitful and multiply. My friends, listen. Let's go to the, let's go to the slides because I'm, I'm almost done. I'm about to wrap it on up. Moving on now. All right, come on. We're about to do it, y'all. Let's go back. Um, my friends, listen. This is what Jesus is saying. He wants you to be like a seed sown on good soil. That's the parable of the, uh, of the sower. My friends, listen. You don't have to go here, but I'm, uh, I'm going to read this really quick. It says this. Jesus said to them, uh, don't you understand any parables, okay? And he explains it to them. And he said, do you bring a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed? No. Why would you light a lamp and put it under a bed? That's goofy. <laughs> Come on, man. Think about this. Why would you? And so what he says here is this. Instead, don't you put it on its stand? Don't you put it on something that can illuminate a dark place? Let's go to the next slide, bro. Check it out. We're about, to, we're about to wrap this up. Jesus gets rejected in Nazareth, okay? He gets rejected in Nazareth. Um, I am uh, not going to go and delve deep into that, but and we probably should t talk about John getting beheaded. My friends, you know what beheaded means? What does that mean? That's right. That means no head. That's right. It means your decapitation. That, that's bingo. What'd you say? No cabeza? Yo, that means your head is gone. It has been, you have been relieved of your head. It is no longer next to your shoulders, okay? Listen to this. John was beheaded. Do you know why John was beheaded? Amen. He was beheaded because he believed. He believed. Like he said in the beginning, what did it say in John 1.1? 1, 1? He believed that Jesus was the Messiah. He's the son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. That's what he believed. 
he believed it so much that he got beheaded. He didn't back down. He wasn't no punk. Right? Is any you don't gotta raise your hand if you're not a if you're a punk, you don't raise your hand. But listen, if you are not a punk, you if you believe something, you are not going to um shy away. Okay? If you don't, if you know that something isn't true, you're not gonna die for it. Right? If somebody came to you and said, man, all the grass in my yard is pink. Well, did you paint it? Nope, nothing happened. It just, it's just pink. You going to die for that? Would you die for that? No! No, you wouldn't. I wouldn't. It's a lie. John was beheaded for the truth. Here's what happens. Mm, okay. So, my wife is telling me to wrap it up. Check it out. John was beheaded. So obviously this is the journey, the, the journey of this story, the, the chronology of this story is headed to a place that, that I want you to just think about this for a second. Jesus came on the scene, started healing. He got baptized, started healing people. He started preaching. He started talking to these Jewish leaders without them even having to mention anything. He started, re he started reading them. Anybody ever got read before? He started reading them. He read their whole script. He read everything about them. And so these Pharisees uh, uh, started um, believing that Jesus was blaspheming. Blasphemy. Who knows what blasphemy is? Amen. What is it? Okay, okay, that's that that is that is the symptom of that. Yes. So she's saying that it's saying that Jesus is saying he's God, and they're saying that he isn't. Okay. Yes. That's that's it's almost blasphemy, but it's not. That's not blasphemy. Damien. Bang! Bingo. That's it. Mmm. Let's go, bro. Man, give me some, bro. Let me get some. Say it again. It's saying, like, um, you are God or, like, you are Jesus. Bingo. Bingo. That's it. Blasphemy is saying that you're God and you're not. That's what blasphemy is. That's a lie, right? You're not God. You didn't create the universe. Neither did I. But Jesus did. So here's what happened. These Pharisees, they say, man, you know what? All this stuff is going on. Why don't you give me a sign? Why won't you give me a sign? And Jesus, this whole time, had been giving them signs. He's been miracle after miracle. Y'all heard that song, uh, uh, miracles and miracles, every little miracle. Who is that? Yes. It's like uh, one, two, three, four, can't even count them all, right? That's what he's saying. So y'all got to check that song out. It's pretty dope. Um, and so listen, Jesus has been doing all these miracles, but Jesus tells them something. He says this really quick, and we're going to go there, uh, about leavened bread. And This is really... I know I got it, yeah, but check it out. Really fast. Okay, we're going to get there. Here's what I want to tell you. The Pharisees, they basically have these rituals, and they're basically telling you that salvation by works, or you can have salvation by works, which is untrue, and we know that. And Jesus is on the scene, and he's telling them, 
that ain't true. That ain't real. That's not real. So Jesus is telling his disciples, Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to beware of leavened bread, okay? And I'm not going to have enough time to dissect that. And as much as I want to do it, I can't. But I want you to do it on your own time. Go out throughout this weekend, next week, look up what leavened bread is. Look up what the Pharisees were doing at that time. And Jesus is saying here in the last point that I'm going to make tonight, by God's grace, I did my best <laughs> to get this done in so much time. It's only so much. Check it out. Jesus, after all of this, he says this, the disciples, my disciples must take up their cross and follow me. That's what Jesus is saying here. Let's go to Mark um, chapter 8. Uh, let's scroll up to verse 34, Mark chapter 8, lesson. All right, so let's have everybody stand to their feet. We're going to close it out. God bless you guys. Thank you for your patience because I really, I really, want, I really want you guys to get this. Thank you. <laughs> I love y'all. You guys, see, if you're doing the will of God, you are my brothers and my sisters, right? Listen to this. Jesus said this. After all of this was said and done, he said this. He called to the crowd. He called the crowd to him. Excuse me. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said this. Actually, I'm going to scroll up just a little bit because Jesus predicts his death. That's next week. All right. We're going to get there. Y'all going, I'm telling you, it's such, it's such a, a, a powerful book. This is why that first question on what do you believe does the gospel have power to change lives? And I'm telling you, the gospels have so much power because it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if Jesus had not had a gospel, then we would be left to fend for, we would be left to do the sacrificing. We would be left to do the things that God, we, we could not do. So God loved us enough to send us his son to die on the cross. So here's what Jesus, he said this. He called this crowd to him and, along with his disciples and said, altar workers can come, please. Wow, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to close it up. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. I want you all to think about this. I really want, you to, I really want your gears to start turning here. After everything that we discussed, after everything we, we just talked about with Jesus, Mark in the beginning just cutting straight to the chase. Jesus the Messiah, son of Jesus Christ, son of God, right? He cuts straight to the chase. Jesus gets baptized. Here, Jesus starts getting his disciples, 12 disciples, right? Why? Because that represented the 12 tribes of, uh, the 12 tribes of Israel, right? Listen. Of Judah. Listen. He called, he called the crowd along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Has anybody ever had a flesh issue, a lust issue, a temptation issue? Has anybody ever had that? My friends, listen. Jesus said this. If you're going to be his disciple, you have to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. My friends, listen, we just talked about John 
the Baptist being beheaded. He was relieved of his head. We didn't even talk about the story of how that happened, but we can talk about that next Friday. My friends, listen, Jesus is saying, one of my closest friends, my family, just got decapitated for this. If you want to be my disciple, you got to deny yourself and follow me. Take up your cross. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever wants to lose their life for me and for the gospel, they'll save it. And it's like, how do you, Jesus, this doesn't, it's just not registering. You're, it's like a paradox. How can I lose my life and then save it? How can I save my life and then lose it? What, what Jesus says this, what good is it for you? To gain this whole world, yet you forfeit your soul. What good is it? What good is it for you to get these next pair of shoes? What good is it to go to, to go throughout this summer trying to be the next Stephen, Steph Curry, to be the next Jay-Z, to be the next whoever. But you're just going to forfeit your soul in the end. Why would you want to do that? What can anybody give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes. That's what this is saying. Don't worry about it. I got the word right here. He will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. If everybody can just bow their heads and close their eyes, I'll say a quick prayer here. And we'll have an altar call. I think we're going to do a group uh, prayer like that. Yes. Okay, cool. Look, we're going to roll with it. Everybody bow their heads and close their eyes. I'm going to say a quick prayer, and here's what's going to happen. I just want, if you need prayer for anything, and I mean anything, I'm talking about anything we talked about tonight, anything that's going on in your life, if there's any temptation that you're facing, if you don't believe that the gospel has power to save, if you don't believe that uh, 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 anything that we talked about tonight, come up here and get prayer. I implore you to do that. My friends, listen. I'm going to say a quick prayer. Jesus, Father God, we give you all the glory and honor, God. All the praise, God. God, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you for the gospel that you've given us, the good news of your son, Jesus. God, so much has been, we've talked about tonight, God. God, but your word says that if two or more are gathered, God, you are in the midst of us, God. We believe that Jesus is here, God. We believe that you are here in the midst of us right now, God. Be with us, God, in our hearts. Be with us in our minds. Be with us in this atmosphere. Holy Spirit, I pray right now, God, that if anybody has any type of indication of sin in their heart, any type of indication of temptation that they've given into, I pray that they come here right now, even 
even now, if you've had anything, come up here and get prayer right now, God. I pray right now, God, that they would take up their cross, God, and follow you, Jesus, because you said that if anyone wants to be my disciple, you must take up their cross. That's what we must do and follow Jesus. That's what we must do, God. I pray that nobody here is ashamed of your gospel. I pray that no one here is ashamed of your words, God. I pray that this gospel right now, I pray that this prayer, God, sparks a fire in every heart in this place tonight. I pray that these words right here, God, from your, from your holy word, sparks a fire in the hearts of every youth here tonight, God. I pray that they come to their senses when it comes to sin, God, and that they recognize that it is a, the, the wages of death. I pray that right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that right now in the name of Jesus, if we can have all of the girls, all the youth on this side, let's have all the boys on this side. We're just going to have some prayer time right now. All right, let's do that. All the youth, all the young ladies on this side, all of the boys on this side, we're just going to have some prayer time. After that, we'll have prayer for about five to seven minutes, and then we'll dismiss. We thank you, God, for this time, allowing us to come together, Lord. We thank you because you are so good, God. You didn't just send us to go and do, God, but you came down and you did, Lord. We thank you for your mercy and grace, for your perfect example and son that you sent down to die on the cross for us, Jesus. It is something that is so far-fetched now that, that, that so many